A couple of weeks ago, I dedicated the podcast to the internal carotid artery. Now, that left me feeling like I'd left out its more branchy brother counterpart, the external carotid artery. So in today's podcast, let's dedicate five minutes to the artery that supplies most of the head and neck region. So a fortnight ago, we dispelled the myth that is the carotid artery, stating there's no such vessel. Instead, we saw that branching from the great vessels of the heart is a common carotid artery on each side. When this travels deep in your neck and then higher bifurcates into an external and internal branch. Now, the internal branch supplies your brain and that was two weeks ago. But today we're going to explore the external carotid artery and that supplies most of the structures of the superficial neck and face. So how are we going to tackle this? Well, first of all, write down the following mnemonic sentence. Some anatomists like freaking out poor medical students. Now, whilst in isolation, this is largely factually correct statement. The first letter of each word corresponds to a branch of the external carotid artery. So underline each of those first letters. Now in either a moment of serendipity or by design by the person who invented this mnemonic, each of the branches are actually in order from inferior to superior. So let's work our way through them. So first of all, S. S stands for superior thyroid artery, which supplies the corresponding named organ. A stands for the ascending pharyngeal artery, which passes the pharyngeal area posterior to your oral cavity. L is your lingual artery, which passes under the tongue, hence lingual. And then F is a really important artery for the superficial face, and it's called the facial artery. And this is an artery we see that is often lacerated in facial lacerations. O. O stands for your occipital artery, supplying the posterior area of the head and scalp, which is known as the occiput. Again, sensible name. P. P is your posterior auricular. Now, the auricle or auricular area is the Latin term for ear or pinna in this case. Posterior describes the corresponding course to the pinna, so you get a bit of an idea where this artery passes to. Now, M. M is the maxillary artery, and this is an important one to focus on at the end, so we'll come back to it. S, your last branch, is your superficial temporal branch. Again, it's in the name. You can palpate this one superficial and you can do that by placing your fingers on your temples striking a pose like marvel comics charles xavier trying to read someone's mind closer get to exams i bet that pulse gets a bit more prominent so unlike the common or internal carotid arteries which have no branches in the neck the external carotid has the eight main branches that supply the superficial head and neck area. And of course, each of these branches has further branches and you can go into a rabbit hole here with detail. But it's a bit of a starter, at least. Now let's finish on an interesting branch, the maxillary artery. Your maxilla is the name given to the upper jaw. And the artery ultimately supplies that area by passing deep to your zygoma or cheekbone and then deep into the face to supply that region. Now, like the other arteries, it then forms multiple branches, but one important one of those passes deep into the skull called the middle meningeal artery. This supplies the meninges, not the brain, which is supplied by the branches of the internal carotid artery, but rather the membranous layers that cover the brain, which we'll discuss another time. And this is clinically important. It sits deep to the skull, but is superficial to the meninges. 
As such, it is prone to trauma in the skull in a particularly weak spot with the bones of the skull together fuse. This is called the terion. And unfortunately, your middle meningeal artery sits right underneath it. And you can actually see the imprints of this in an actual skull when you take off the calvarium. Therefore, blunt force trauma to that area of the skull can tear this artery by tenting the bones. And this causes an extradural hematoma, which is also known as an epidural hematoma in some books. Now, this is relevant because it can be fatal if left untreated. Now, the classic presentation of this is a patient who loses consciousness after blunt force trauma to the side of the head, wakes up, everything seems fine, but then starts to lose consciousness again as the patient's hematoma enlarges and the brain becomes compressed. Now, the treatment for this varies depending on the severity. It can be managed conservatively, in which you watch and wait, or it may require surgical intervention, in which case a neurosurgeon will bore a hole into the skull to release the pressure. And on some occasions, a neurosurgeon will actually remove some of the skull, which they term a craniotomy. And this is one of the oldest known operations with evidence dating back to 8,000 to 5,000 BC Neolithic times, with evidence of that patient actually having survived without the knowledge of the external carotid artery, which now you guys have. But that really doesn't mean you should start boring holes in people's heads. So leave that to the neurosurgeons. And that's your lot. Thanks a lot for listening. Sam will see you next week in Dissectable Me.